0: You may be seated. I wanted to take a minute and thank you all here at Central and here in Florence for the continued support throughout the years. Growing up here was a true blessing, and I will always be grateful for the many lessons I learned down here whenever I was a child and since then. As a matter of fact, I learned a lesson just last week in the Commons area. I was here for a meeting with the DS, and as we walked in to meet all the preachers who were going to be interviewing me, he reached over and cut a tag off my new blazer. (laughs) So, learn to look in the mirror before you walk into an interview. And in that moment, I remembered the calm reassurance that was given to me from a good friend and a staff member just a few moments before when he reminded me God has a plan, and if I walk by faith, Surely everything will work itself out. The lessons that I've learned like that are priceless, and I will always be thankful for Central central and what they've taught me. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. That reads, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you, so that you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. All this talk of withering in the scripture makes me quite nervous. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire. I know as Christians, Jesus' words are supposed to be comforting. After all, it is said in the scripture that because we are in Christ, we are already clean. Still, though, the thought of withering is frightening and definitely causes me to raise my eyebrow. Since I've been living in Atlanta, I've come to miss all the plants and greenery and wildlife that I've grown accustomed to as a South Carolinian. As a result, I've found a new hobby of planting plants in my windowsill. And I've started to learn about planting, and I've learned the fragility of plants. I've tended them, watered them, I turned them so that each side receives sunlight from the window, and still, I quite often have to trim off withering branches from my. I've learned all too well that any branch can wither. It can be the small branch at the base of the plant, or it can be the large branch that I thought was receiving all the nourishment. Still, the withering branches must be cut from the plant for the well-being of the whole. Maybe this is why the concept of withering is so unsettled. Throughout history, different Christians have tried to do the work of Christ, and often... We've seen that their efforts have withered away. Some have even caused harm. The Crusades violently swept through Europe and caused so much pain for many families. The intermingling of Christian mission and colonization led to the enslavement of entire nations. There was cruel victimization of outcasts during the Salem witch trials. Some of these failed missions have often led to inferiority complexes and structures of oppression rather than real change. I was reading just the other day about how as recently as the early 2000s, political disagreements in Honduras led to the cancellation of thousands of mission partnerships that they had with Christian churches. This left massive shortages in school supplies for the poorest children in the country. It's clear to me that when religious efforts add to the suffering of those who are already weak, withering is taking place. And the worst part is that most of these Christians thought they were doing the work of Christ. They thought they were acting righteously. So yes, the thought of withering is unsettling. As I was searching for the answer to this problem, I found a commentary that described the context of the scripture in which Jesus claimed to be divine. It turns out that in the Old Testament, a grapevine was used to describe the Israelites, the people of God. The vine is a metaphor that emphasized the lineage of God's people from generation to generation. The vine set the Israelites apart. It marked their identity. And God was their gardener, who pruned the vine and even destroyed aspects of the vine that were unfaithful or unwilling to bear fruit. But when the Israelites began to use this imagery of the vine to set themselves apart, to assert themselves above others in the community, Jesus condemned the notion, saying that he was the true vine. It seems that oftentimes the Christian missions that have withered away over the years made the same mistakes as these Israelites. Throughout history, we've watched the withering happen, and it causes us to worry the new vine was not meant to be a membership card into a prestigious community that set the Israelites above the rest of the community. Instead, it was an opportunity to abide with Christ and to bring restoration to the world. And in today's world, we also distinguish and affirm ourselves using the different vines that we're a part of. I stand up here today as a lifelong member of this church, this congregation. I have a legacy here. My family's always been involved here. And because of the relationships I have here, my position up here in this pulpit is affirmed. While this makes me feel great and supported, this does not justify me as greater or lesser than any of you or than anyone else that we may encounter in our world. Too often, vines are used for the simple task of networking. Vines are used to set us apart, to confirm that we are a part of the English, We all have different bonds that we're connected to, but we must remember that these bonds are fleeting, and they don't make us greater than those we encounter. And there is a temptation to do the same in our churches and congregations. It's easy to look back at the teachings of Christ, the resurrection, and the sacrifice made by the incarnate God. It's easy to claim that the work is done, that Christians hold the key to salvation. that's not the kind of vine that Jesus is calling us to be a part of. Yes, Christ died for our salvation, but the kingdom of God is still to come. And Christians are still called to bring forth justice in the name of Christ and by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We are promised this in John chapter 14 when Jesus says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. And remind you of all that I've said to you. Christ used this metaphor of divine to distinguish a new group who would abide in his love. The Greek term for abiding in love was meno. And meno means to remain in, to stay with, to sojourn with, and to endure. This was not a statement. It has passed away since. This is a timeless statement. As we continually fellowship with Christ, Christ in return will abide with us. This is a living vine, one to which we must remain connected day in and day out, not one we simply point to in remembrance. Jesus said, Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. To abide with Christ, we must look for ways to fellowship with Christ. We must expect to encounter Christ, the incarnate God, the human form. We must sojourn with Christ in our day-to-day lives. When we look into the eyes of a stranger and we expect to see the reflection of Jesus' love in their eyes, we are abiding in Christ. When we fellowship in love and stand beside those whose society may call the least, and we stand by them in Christian equity. We are abiding in Christ. This is a new vine that defines us. Not a vine that defines our circumstances. Not a vine that has monthly dues. But rather a vine that's marked by the state of our soul. A soul abiding with Christ is a soul seeking present fellowship with Jesus. And this begs the question, where do we seek this kind of fellowship with Christ? Where do we look for this fellowship? I think we find the answer when we read through our Gospels. We learn about Jesus' interest. Jesus was concerned with helping the impoverished, with spending time with sinners, feeding the hungry, and washing the feet of those who served him. If this is our vine, and we are the branches, then we should be following his guidance. If this is our vine, and we are the branches, we don't have to look far to find Christ. Remember, Jesus' famous... Reminder in chapter 25 of Matthew, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, for the members of my family, so you've done it to me. Recent surveys showed that here in Florence County alone, in 2017, there were 9,109 children living in poverty. That's more than a fourth of our children, 27.9%. As a church, we have to bring them into the bond of Christ. That that's too large of a number to sit in our pews? Here's another one 73 children here in our county are living in foster care. Can you imagine the significance of telling those children that they too have a home in the bond? These statistics are astounding, and honestly, they should be quite frightening to Christians. So we cannot afford to be stagnant while that kind of suffering is happening all around us. We cannot afford to cast blame, to hold resentment against our brothers and sisters. We cannot afford to allow the efforts of those who have come before us wither away. Today is Children's Sabbath, and I give thanks for the hard work done by these children sitting behind me that we've been enjoying so much. I'm proud to see the divine here is still living and growing, They're learning about proclamation, service, worship, and what it means to be a part of the vine. While they're learning, they need to be reminded, too, that they are the future of the vine. Today, they learn how to participate in the mission. But in the future, they will define that very mission. So my prayer for this, as our children grow, I hope they continue to be bold. I hope they will become listeners and teachers. I hope they continue to speak out about whatever it is they believe, and they will continue to make this fine their own, just as we have. It's not hard to see that there's a lot of young people in our world today that don't want to come to church. They don't want to feel ashamed. They don't want to feel like a sinner. And some children may never be comfortable in our church if their attire didn't match the rest of ours. They couldn't afford the shoes that would help them to fit in. Earlier in the Gospel of John, Jesus clears the temple and reprimanded those present, saying, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. The resurrection reminds us that Christ is the true temple, and that his mission is far greater than any church. I believe that when we choose to abide with these people that we encounter all around us every day, then when we seek fellowship with them and look for Christ in the midst of that fellowship, That's when we will be abiding with Christ. It is then that our mission will become clear. It is then that we will bear fruit. The beauty of the vine to me is in the way it adapts. Growing up, I spent a lot of time among the vines in my backyard. As a kid, I earned money from my dad by learning to pull the vines. that grew. I learned to cut the vines at the bottom. And when I cut them all, I would come back weeks later to pull them out of the tree when it was easier. This method also got me in trouble when I learned that vines could be good as well as bad. I was always intrigued by the ways the vines adapted. They grew between the branches, between the trees even. They even grew up the walls of our house. Always searching for nourishment. Always moving toward the sun where they could receive the rain. Sometimes when I was pulling vines, I was astonished as I pulled and pulled, wondering if I would ever reach the end of the vine. In the same way, I'm amazed by the unique ways Christians have adapted their methodology to fulfill the gospel that they have received. I think about the peace march led by Dr. Martin Luther King to respond to violence and adapt with peace. I think about John Wesley's band meetings that provided for the relational needs of so many early Methodists, a society craving spiritual growth, and an adaptation to the gospel. And I think about the countless translators of scripture who spend their lives making scripture available to foreign populations. Even here at Central, I've seen adaptation happening as our children and youth programs have grown and evolved. A new worship service is providing a place for alternative worship and graves. Salkahatchie was adapted and brought home as Santa Hatchee. Our support of the snack program, Epworth, the Care House of the PD, they're all very helpful adaptations that serve our community. But it's clear that the needs remain and our adaptation cannot stop or cease. The good news is that God is our gardener. And the possibilities are endless. We have every resource we need to make a change, to change those statistics that I shared earlier. In the scripture, Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. With the Holy Spirit as our guide, we will see the needs around us. And with God as our gardener, we can adapt accordingly. Christ is the true vine and a precious vine. And as the branches, we are called to bear fruit. To abide in Christ is to continually look to the Incarnation as we engage with those around us. To abide in Christ is to desire justice and equality for all. To abide in Christ is to overcome suffering in our world and to speak out against the forces that cause suffering. Surely, if we abide in Christ, I believe that we will bear fruit and be clean. May we do so today and every day. Amen.